You are listening to Noteworthy Differences. What were the most significant challenges you faced uh, yeah, while building a startup and how did you overcome them? So um, everything is a challenge because uh, w- what you realize mm. is that uh, it's a do-it-yourself project. And uh, w- when you start thinking about a startup, you usually think like, it's going to be so cool. I'm going to have all my people with me. I'm going to have uh, an office. And uh, you really think about the startup, but at least this is my experience, something super cool to do, right? Good energies. I'm my own boss. And uh, I will have the freedom to do whatever I want and to run the business however I want. But then you realize that it's a lot of compromises. And uh, you also realize that if you stop somehow, especially in the early phase, um, everything's going to stop. Your enthusiasm uh, is going to be the only fuel for the engine. So uh, I, I think that this is what you realize is the biggest challenge that you probably are not prepared to. But also I realized another thing that uh, you need to go through the struggle. I think it's impossible to do something that which is uh, successful without the struggle. I hear many of my friends, for example, saying things like, yeah, I'm doing this job and I'm setting up an, uh, the um, my future startup on the side, which it's okay. I understand people doing this and I feel like it's, it's not a stupid idea. It's not a bad idea, but if you don't go through the process of struggle, I think like it's, you're not going to make it, you know, you, you, you need to touch the, the bottom to, to, to go up and, um, yeah, you need to feel the, the struggle yourself to the fullest, to then start building something. Mm-hmm. If you are at least, this is also how I operate, you know, I, I, I think that it's, I feel comfortable in in being in the tough spot in the in, in a in a bad situation where i need to somehow go get out of it so uh this brings out the best of me so what i didn't expect is it to be so uh, uh so hard of course but also the fact that you really need to do it yourself everything don't count on others uh because everyone has its own project, you know, everyone has its own energies, everyone is focused on their own things. And you start realizing that you need to do it yourself and you need to learn how to have fun in the process. I believe that's also key, you know, like, because when you are in the middle of a lot of challenges, you start to uh, not enjoy it anymore, while you really need to realize that, that's how it works and you need to enjoy it to take the best out of it and um, always remind yourself even in the most stressful situations uh this is what i learned so far but it's i'm still in the learning process awesome yeah same uh like a uh, transition from a dreamer to a risk taker and uh yes it seems like it's it's been paying off right yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very slow of a process, uh, and and I like it that way. I, I prefer it to be very slow rather than uh, 
go fast and think about scaling, scaling, scaling. Mm. Um, there's also another thing that happened, I think, in the economy yep. in the last few years that affects everyone who wants to start a business. So up until two years ago, uh, you know, what happened is that there was the COVID thing, which uh, which which changed everything because um, governments started to pump money in the system. And for one year and a half, I would say, up until December 2021, from March 2020 to December 2021, it was the so-called helicopter money period. Like everyone was investing in startups, every asset was growing, governments were pumping money into the economy, and you needed to scale fast. So get money from VC, uh, make your business scalable, grow, 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 as much as you can. In about two months after December 2021, uh, they cut off everything. Like governments stopped, VC money uh, stopped being available for everyone. And the keyword was not grow and uh, scale, but it was make it sustainable. All of a sudden, survive. So this change, you know, I have a friend of mine that it's in startup and he received three million funding from angel investors. And uh, he showed me the text messages. What about like that? two months before it was grow, 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 scale, scale, higher, higher, higher. Yeah. And two months after it was like, dude, you need to make it sustainable. Please cut your cost, make it survive for the next two, three years, you know? So uh, yeah, I started after this uh bubble period so i'm just making it sustainable with zero vc money you know with zero funding nothing uh, nothing like it which it's uh better because you have less anxiety of having to grow fast but it's worse because you need to make everything without funding you know so you need to think about sustainability from day one from the metaverse to real real life i mean you're from italy yourself I am proudly. Proudly Italian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Proud pasta eater. Proud. Okay, I'm not even I'll wait if I'm gonna copy. <laughs> I might get taken out of context. Um, yeah, uh, life in Italy, I mean, how has living in Italy influenced your personal and professional life? You know, what aspects of the country do you appreciate the most? So, uh, I've been living... Uh, I've been living uh, in, in other countries for 12 years before coming back to Italy. And I always wanted to kind of come back uh, because I love the culture, you know, I love the, I love almost everything about Italy, but it's, I, there, there's two Italies, there, there's North Italy and there's South Italy, which are two very different countries because uh, North Italy is very, uh, industrial, full of big companies and uh, more European. Uh, so you can see some like things working um, wh while the South is really wild. There's something which we call questione meridionale, which means like the, the South problem, which comes from hundreds and hundreds of years of history and it's very eradicated. So what what's the difference you you will notice in every public service for example here it just doesn't work in south italy you know 
everything that's public just doesn't work. Uh, plus the climate is very different. Here it's hot, in the north it's colder. Um, and the culture is completely different. So we take things mm. easy, very slow. The quality of life, I would say it's very high, meaning that you're going to have cheap food, very high quality food, and uh, loving people that talk to you, more open to have a conversation, even with strangers. Uh, they're going to help you out on the streets. Uh, at least most of the times. Uh, but on the downside, you're not going to have access to job opportunities or uh, just the normal economy. Everything gets tougher when you talk about business or just public services. So I think that when I came back, I was living in the UK and then I traveled to Vietnam. But If you love what you're hearing and want to support us, consider buying us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash ND podcast. That's N for November, D for Delta podcast. Your contribution will help fuel our podcast and bring you even more great content in the future. So thank you for being part of this podcasting journey. I was living in, in, in London for a few years and everything was really fine there. Just, I, I promised myself not to build a business in Italy. Like I really... I, I remember writing it down in my journals, you know, don't you ever dare starting a business in Italy. And then here I am starting a business. Can you explain what Web3 is, I guess, in, in like a simple sense? And, uh, you know, how do you think it's revolutionizing the the world? And then yeah. we'll go from so, there and we'll uh, go to blockchain and, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's so many good ideas in the space. We call it Web3, right? Which is the evolution of Web1 and Web2. Web 1 was uh, that era of the internet where you could only read things. Like you open a Wikipedia page and you read the stuff that's there. Then there was the Web 2 era, which uh, is the era when you can also write. So read and write. So for example, there was the blog at first you could comment, then social media where you could create your own content. And uh, so you have read and write. The third era of this, which is the Web3 era, is where you can read, write, and own an asset. How can I explain this to people? It's very hard if you don't own a wallet. In the future, probably you won't even need to have a, a decentralized wallet, but right now you just need to create a MetaMask wallet, interact with a decentralized application, and you will understand. The You're talking about example, a cryptography wallet. Or crypto wallet. Yes. What would you call it again? What's the proper term? Decentralized wallet. Decentralized or hot wallet. wallet. Yeah, hot yeah. Wallet. There's difference between cold and hot wallet. The difference is that a hot wallet is the one that you have in a software and it's technically connected online, right? You interact through your browser. And then there's a cold wallet, which is basically a physical object that you can keep offline and that keeps the records of like the assets you own. Treasure or something. Look, the very, the very, exactly, exactly. And, and the very big difference to make everyone understand in very simple terms is this. You are the only owner of your assets. Just like with cash, you keep it in your pocket and no one else is holding this money for you. But 
The other difference is that while cash is produced by a government and you trust the government to keep the stability of the currency, to create a monetary policy, to tackle inflation, to produce or destroy monetary supply, uh, to keep it strong against other currencies, you need to trust the government. And most often, you need to trust a bank to keep record of your money. They don't actually hold your money. Everyone knows that, right? They keep a reserve of that. And they just give it to you when you ask if they want. Uh, well, this is very different. You don't need to trust anyone to keep your money. You have it with you. So I'll give you another example that makes you understand why this is genius and so important. Let's assume that I want to travel and go to Japan tomorrow. And uh, I want to bring money with me. And when I mean money with me is I don't want to trust any institution. I don't want to pay any fee. I don't want to go and have currency exchange or stuff like that, you know? How can I bring this money from point A to point B on the other side of the world? You can do it with gold, technically, which it's uh, independent hard money. But you cannot transport so much gold, right? Because otherwise you need security. You need to pay hundreds of thousands of euros to move your gold from point A to point B. Uh, you cannot do it with normal cash money because otherwise you're going to be stopped at the frontier. You can technically do it with your bank, but then you need to pay some fees or just take it out of the cash register. But still, they hold it for you. It's not you taking your money. While with Bitcoin or with other cryptocurrencies, you don't need to do that. You know, you keep your money in your head, technically, because you know the seed phrase. So the password to access your money, no one else is holding them for you. It's just a public ledger that it's available for everyone at any end, and that's revolutionary. And this is just one thing. We could talk about NFTs. We could talk about gaming. We could talk about decentralized finance, uh, having a loan without having to interact with anyone else. And just to give you a perspective of, of why this is going to work 100% is, you know that AI is doing big uh, advancements right now, right? It's been since the last 20 years, really, but now it's mm. more hyped and, and just companies releasing the code for, for AI, you know, not keeping for themselves anymore. Chat GPT stuff and everything else. Well, AIs are going to have a wallet. Meaning that people will set up and they're already doing some AI bots that will do financial transactions. So for example, you're going to ask uh, your bank or your bot to do some financial transaction for you, or you're going to buy a service from AI, from an AI bot, you know. Do you think that these AI bots will, will interact with the bank? Do you think that they will have a queue in a local branch? No, AI needs to interact with a public ledger, with a public uh, um, infrastructure that keeps track of all the transactions that are there without having to have a human interaction. That's when the blockchain is very useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a no-brainer, you know? When you think like markets are going down, Governments are skeptical. There is a bound in the air. 
you just realize that it's inevitable. They cannot stop this. Uh, while people still think I need to make rich with crypto, uh, what I think is that the technology is not going to be stopped. Uh, so how can I have the benefits that this new industry are going to provide to all the actors in the ecosystem? How can I bring these benefits also to me? Like it was in the internet era. It's like probably if in 1992 you were working on e-commerce, that was a good idea, right? And at first you had no customers, but then in the coming years, if you love what you're hearing and want to support us, consider buying us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash ND podcast. That's N for November, D for Delta podcast. Your contribution will help fuel our podcast and bring you even more great content in the future. So thank you for being part of this podcasting journey. All the benefits and the profits from this new economy, from all this money that are going into these new industries, you're going to benefit from that if you are uh, doing the right things. And AI is going to bring massive benefits to a new industry, to so many actors. Blockchain is going to do the same. Yeah, and how about um, with blockchain itself, how do you kind of uh, roll that? Um, how do you address the yeah, concerns of security in implementation of your projects? Or blockchain security could could you talk a bit about that or because I know blockchain itself it's pretty good on its own but uh, yeah do you have any sort of suggestions on um, how you keep it secure? Um, well, uh, since it's early days, uh, you need to study a lot. Especially, it's you you don't need to be a nerd or a genius, but you need to make give it 20 hours of research, minimal, 50, let's say, when you need to understand what are the risks, how to be safe in this world. And uh, it's a little bit like the internet. If you give access to the internet to uh, to my grandmother, you know, she's going to be scammed, most likely. She's going to open an email from a Nigerian prince, you know, uh, and she's going to interact with that. So you need to have 20 to 50 hours of, of research just to understand how to keep your seed phrase safe, how not to trust anyone to hold your money, uh, how not to be attracted by a lot of high interest rates, how not to act like you're a trader genius, a trading genius, because you are not, you know? <laughs> so when you start, you need to, to do all this due diligence to understand how it works. And still we are in the early days, so... Don't think that you're gonna be rich unless you are incredibly lax, incredibly lax. Otherwise, that's not what it's supposed to be. You know, what's happening is just that governments, banks, and everyone else who's trying to ban it to put uh, to give a bad reputation to the industry, this is gonna give us another bull run. So most likely, it's gonna give us an opportunity to make a lot of profit still if we hold assets, just because. When the people in the street, the taxi driver, the barber, the the grandma knows about Bitcoin and blockchain, this is too late for make huge profits, you know? That's why you hear about people that made millions because they were very early. It's all tiding of adoption. So if you bought it a long time ago, of course, the asset grew and, and you became rich, but that's not the approach that you should have when you start, mm. when you start learning about it. 
Can we talk a little bit about NFTs? Um, I've heard people describe an NFT as, or non-fungible token as a digital asset. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's what it is. It's owning a digital asset and people still doubt like what's the value in a digital asset. Mm. Well, one example is, for example, imagine you're a content creator on Instagram, right? Everyone can understand that. And you have the blue check. What What does it give you? Having the blue check it gives you reliability. People will trust you more. Status. Status, exactly. So, that's nothing more than that. It's just a, a button that someone presses and gives you this status. Now, let's assume I could buy it, right? I could buy it and uh, I could also sell it. I could own this blue check. Imagine this was registered in a blockchain, so there's no meta behind deciding if I should have it or not. So that's a digital asset. Or another thing that gives a very clear explanation is if you are a gamer, let's assume you play World of Warcraft or you play Diablo. And uh, at the end of the game, when you finish it all, uh, you don't own any asset. You, even if you played 17,000 hours in this game, you end up with nothing that you own uh, now let's uh, and, and people may argue that's okay everyone like yeah it, it is okay but let's assume that you just smash the final boss and you got a very rare weapon what if you could own this weapon and sell this weapon what if there's a market behind of people who want to buy and sell this the, the market decides right if something is valuable or not yeah. If I want to buy a blue check on Instagram and for me the value is $1,000 and I make you an offer and you want to sell it, then there's a market for it. And people trade all kinds of stuff, even JPEGs, mm. you know, for many reasons, for status, just because I want to buy it because it's cute, just because I think the value is going to grow because who creates the game, it's badass whatever you know where, where there's a market just now there's a technology that allows it to 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 be made just like we want do we want to create a, a a coin if there's someone who wants to buy this coin let me create a technology that allows me to create this coin and distribute it and now it's money it's the internet of money that's what it is and uh francesca just a special one for the show I want to dig deep into your brain. When you pass on, what would you like to have been known for? Uh, deep questions right now. I feel like um, my, my final goal is to... Um, I don't know if I want to be known for this. I don't know if I want to be known at all. <laughs> After that. I don't care, you know, after I pass away, I, I don't care if I'm known or not. Like, I have a lot of uh, awareness about the fact that in one under 50 years, no one is going to remember about us, most likely. And uh, even if they do, I don't really care. So I don't want to be known for everything after I'm, I, I pass, but I want to plant trees. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to have a forest. 
that I started building because they say that uh, the best time to plant a tree is well, that tree was 10 years ago and the second best time is to do it now. Uh, so I just want to plant a forest that is going to survive after and gone. I don't really care about what I will be known for. Awesome. I like that. That's uh, another unique uh, nice answer. Sense. Yeah, that's a uh, definitely good answer. Uh, thank you for uh, joining and uh, it's a great conversation. Hey, Chris here. Thank you for listening to that episode. And if you'd like to hear any other episodes of mine at Noteworthy Differences, you can find me on Spotify or Apple or any other streaming platforms where you listen to your podcasts. Or feel free to send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for Noteworthy Differences and you will be sure to find me. Thank you.